Hey, Matt here, and welcome to the Gringo Guava Podcast. I'm a 23-year-old college student who loves hearing whatever word people use for foreigner. Right now, I'm based in Thailand, working on political science research. Come along with me and see how the Gringo Guava travels. So today, we're going to be releasing a two-part episode, trying to wrap up the time that I had in Thailand, and a trip I made to Laos and Hong Kong, and just what happened there. Um, so, so, so much of this stuff happened so long ago that I just want to make sure that I got it out now um, to you guys before it gets even like fuzzier. There's a lot that already like recording this. I was like, oh man, I can barely like remember what I did in Laos, even though it was awesome. Um, so this first episode is going to be part one. It's going to be my trip to Laos, trip to Hong Kong, um, and then coming out today also is going to be my last couple weeks in Thailand, in Chiang Mai, and Bangkok. So listen, hope you guys enjoy it. So after we got back from Northern Thailand, we had a really cool opportunity to do a service project at a school. Um, we just did some painting of some of the buildings to kind of clean stuff up. We did a little bit of cleaning, and we installed this rain cover over um, this little bridge that went between two of the buildings. It wasn't a lot. And the thing about some of these service projects sometimes is you look at it and you're like, oh, is this really doing anything? And honestly, like sometimes you're really not doing that much. But something that was really cool was a couple days later, we came back and got to talk to some of the kids at the school that we did and able to like interact with them. And they did a cultural performance for us and we sang um, the song that we had sang at our YSA conference for them and then we just got to like kind of hang out with them for a bit and that was really cool to be able to spend time with them and you know just hanging out with kids and that's not something that comes from being a foreigner that we could do especially but I think that anytime you have the opportunity to be with children whether it's in your own community or wherever I think that that always has like a big impact and so maybe the physical technical labor that you provide isn't going to have the biggest impact but you being able to create that connection with people, I think that always pays like huge dividends. I was really grateful to be able to have that service opportunity because I've felt so much love for the Thai people and to be able to just do something to at least show that I appreciate my time there and uh, trying to give back was great. Um, and then the big trip that this week after the Northern Thailand trip was we went to Laos and we had done, um, like a little tiny excursion into Laos, which I talked about being like this weird thing. But this time we went to Luang Prabang, um, which is a smaller town. It was the capital of the kingdom before the communist takeover in 1975. But, you know, a lot of places um, have been the capital of Sun Kingdom at some point, it seems. Um, so, yeah, it's um, like... 30 kilometers or 40 kilometers from Vientiane, which is the capital, but it was so, so cool. Um, from my first impression a lot to this impression a lot, this was so amazing um, because it had that small town feel. If you've ever been somewhere like Hood River, that's where my mom grew up, it really kind of reminded me of that because first of all, it was on a river. The climate was really nice, but it had the small town vibe um, that was just really cool, and there was a road along the river that, that we cycled down and there are all these little shops and stuff and it was just, it was quaint. 
what's the word or uh, a word that I used was like it was enchanting it just kind of like it, it made you want to stay there and it was really nice um when we got in maybe this was part of it we had a really nice hotel that we stayed at that um we got to stay like uh right by the pool and that was super cool and then we had perfect weather the whole time which was awesome we also got to do um we went to the the first night we were there we went to the night market and got to try all the foods there that was cool and then when we were walking around we just walked by um some you know high school age kids playing basketball and they were like the girls that were with us said to three of the guys like you guys got to take them three on three and so we did and um even though we were way harder than them they actually wound up beating us um partly because we didn't try at all for the first bit and then once we started trying i realized that i think i was the only one that plays basketball out of those three guys um no shade guys if you're listening to this i'm sorry but it was rough that was a rough loss but hey i think we we motivated those laotian kids to to step their game up um which was cool um and the first ex- excursion that we did was actually something that we planned just as the students which was really cool um we took these vans out to this series of waterfalls so there's like one big wa- waterfall that emptied into like a pool and then there was like just kind of a series of smaller waterfalls and that had all these pools and the water was just that beautiful crystal clear teal it looked like something out of like a microsoft screensaver it was just so beautiful and there's a hike that we did to start where where we hiked up the falls and um one thing that was cool is they had the series of stairs that you walked up where the water was like flowing down them so you're like going through it and um at the top um the kind of pool big pond that was up there there was a rope swing that we used to jump in the water there and then hiked back down um you know and then hot and sweaty you know got in the water and cooled off which was cool haha <laughs> it's cool but then one thing that was crazy about this water was there was a bunch of like these little fish there and as soon as you got in they'd be like nibbling at like your legs and feet and stuff and it wasn't like i had done like a fish ball before um just in thailand and this was different they were like kind of bigger fish and they're like really nibbly and some people got freaked out and like just didn't like being in the water after that but you know me i'm i'm gonna do whatever um and also um there was like a stump that had been like a tree had been like cut um and i don't know how to explain it but it was just like there was a ledge going off from like of this stump from like a kind of like a just like 10 foot cliff but i was you know throwing some flips off of that which is kind of my signature move of the group um and yeah i just could not stay out of the water it was so much fun and it was yeah so cool and then i um i brought my hammock with me and I set it up and I only got to chill in it for a bit because I just want to stay in the water but some of my buddies used it and just um cooled off. And then yeah, people too freaked out by the fish, so we got headed out of there. Um and that day we had a cool dinner with one of our friends that was having a birthday, got to try some Laotian food, which was fun as always. Um, Laotian food is kind of like Thai food. I mean, I didn't notice any like huge differences between them. 
um, at one of the restaurants we went to, I read a, a series of stuff, and they were like, the main difference is the sticky rice, which they don't have in Thai cuisine. And I was like, yeah, maybe like 150 years ago, but today sticky rice is huge in Thai cuisine. So maybe just, I think, over the years, um, what's originally Thai and what's originally Lao has kind of combined to have very similar food, but regardless, it was delicious. Um, the next day we went to what was called the UXO Museum, so that was like unexploded ordinance. So, you know, during the Vietnamese War, there was, they couldn't bomb in Vietnam, but the Vietnamese forces that America was fighting would use routes in Laos to kind of cut through and then do stuff there. So America just bombed the living hell out of Laos. And it was actually the most bombed country, more than any country in World War II or previous wars. And so even now today, there's still tons of bombs out in the countryside that never exploded because they would fall and then not explode. And there's still people that will come across these and not know what they are. And then the people will get maimed and lose an arm or limbs or people still die from this. And so this museum was kind of documenting this phenomenon and what work is being done still to try and clear out all of these bombs. And it was, it was another kind of sad reminder of the effects of colonialism has had on Asia. And it was really fascinating, but also sad. Um, then after that, a few people were just feeling adventurous and we went on this like super long bike ride. Um, which is cool, and just saw the city. I mean, it's hard to describe Luang Prabang because it wasn't like we did a lot, but that was the amazing thing about it, was that you didn't need to do a lot to enjoy your time there. It just was relaxing, and the food was good, and just walking around and looking at like the shops and stuff was so, was so fun. Um, that evening, we did do a really cool thing which was, um, there was this super, I mean, I don't know how tall it was, but there was a hill that you went up with, uh, stairs, obviously, and then at the top, you could watch the sunset over the, just kind of like, you know, that, um, there's like a series of valleys and hills and stuff, and you could watch the sunset, and people gathered up at the top of the hill where there's a, a Wat, um, Wat Chom Si, and so that was really cool. Um, love me a good sunset. And, oh, another thing that I did was we went to the old, there was what used to be the palace of the king before the communist revolution and went there and saw some of the stuff and um, how they lived in the colonial times. And that was really cool. They still have some of the like old cars, like old Jaguars and Land Rovers like the 50s and 60s that they had and there was also this like giant like 30 foot statue of some how should I can't remember of some late ocean military leader but it was massive and it was actually made in Russia and then donated to Laos because this was after the you know the, the communist revolution and trying to keep those ideas and it was just I don't know it was just weird to have this random like and the style of the statue is very, like, Soviet, so there's a lot of blend of influences. Um, 
I also really randomly went to um, a temple when no one else, just by myself randomly, and had this cool opportunity to talk to a monk and just started chatting with him. He wanted to practice his English, and he talked about how he became a monk because he had um, a bunch of like older siblings and his family was really poor, and so he became... Um, a monk when he was really young, just like a acolyte. Um, he was like 14 because he wasn't going to have any opportunities in his family and it was hard for them to provide. And But now he's been able to like study at university and stuff and, um, you know, had been able to have more opportunities because of that. And that was just a super random but interesting conversation. Um, but... Yeah, Luang Prabang, UNESCO World Heritage Site, one of my favorite places to ride bikes around. Um, even though I also did have my bike chain break at one point, where like it just kept over and over like coming off, and and it wasn't like my bike back home where there's like it's just really easy to get the chain like um back on it because this was a fixed gear bike and just for a bunch of reasons that was hard. And that was super frustrating. And my friend's like, Matt, it's just, you're not going to, we're going to have to do this every 10 minutes. And we did. But I'm too stubborn to um, let, let some bike beat me. So that took forever. And then it was really cool because we had studied Laotian history and Thai history and seen how, you know, in different times there's different allies and how, like, the different peoples in the region, how related they are. And also to see kind of the divergent paths that Lao and Thailand have taken because of, you know, communism in Lao, um, and that Thailand didn't have that, like, revolution, and they've, they've both struggled with, like, democratizing, but because Thailand, um, didn't have that, and Thailand was never colonized, um, they've just been able to do a, a lot better than Lao, and, yeah, and my most valuable piece of gear this week was probably my hammock. Um, I'm a huge hammock guy. My friends would make fun of me because I would, like, there were so many times that we would, like, do a hike, and I'd be like, oh, I didn't bring my hammock. Or, like, half the time, like, that I brought my hammock, like, they'd be like, why, why did you bring your hammock here? Like, you didn't even use it. I'm like, you just never know, man. Um, but I've used it on hikes. I've used it, um, I set it up by the pool between two just, like, pillars on our hotel. I've almost set it up in airports before, but my hammock is my go-to. I've I've slept in it, I've camped in it, and I, right now, I'm packing a Thermarest that I got on Craigslist. Um, but yeah, hammocks are dope. Yeah, and that was my time in Laos. Hey, Gringo Guavas. If you really enjoy this podcast, check out my Instagram page. It's at the Gringo Guava, just the name of my podcast. There I post pictures from my travels, I have fun stories about what I'm doing, and it's also a great way to be able to interact with me and the podcast. So check that out. So the week after the Lao trip, um, we were back in Thailand for a couple of days doing some work. Um, we spent a lot of time with Dr. Selway, hanging out with his family. Um, I'm not sure exactly when it was within this time period, but we also got to see um, some Thai movies. We saw this Thai movie called Uncle Boon Me, who remembers his previous lives or past lives. And it was just this trippy, trippy 
Thai movie. Um, if you've ever seen like art house film, it gets weird and it was confusing as heck. But also like I had seen a film by the same director actually at BYU International Cinema. And if you stop thinking about the weirdness like in the movie and what's going on and just kind of like observe the movie almost like you would like a moving painting, like the cinematography and the way it is, is just so peaceful and it and it's beautiful, but just kind of shows like sometimes the like stark differences in culture and how we see things. But yeah, hanging out in Chiang Mai for a bit was good. Um, but the really cool thing this next week was this trip I did to Hong Kong and I went to Macau for a little bit too, but the main thing was Hong Kong. And this was something, um, I don't know, for whatever reason, for a long time, Hong Kong has just really interested me. Um, I remember in high school, one time in like my you know high school econ class, like we watched like a feature about how it's like this you know capitalist stronghold in Asia, and in a different travel documentary, I'd seen this thing about how it has one of the cheapest Michelin star rated restaurants in the world, and just I don't know, it just always seemed like this really amazing place to visit. And it did not disappoint. Hong Kong was amazing. I'm going to come out and say that so far, if I were going to say you only had, for whatever strange reason, you had like only a couple days to do something, a, a place in Asia, uh, from the places that I've been, it would be Hong Kong. Hong Kong, we did, we only had like four days there and we packed so much stuff in and it was amazing. Um, so if you ever have like a business trip and you can add on like a couple days somewhere, I would do Hong Kong for sure. Thailand is still super dope as like, it's obviously bigger geographically and there's so many more like amazing different places to go within the country. But if you're going to go to like one city, Hong Kong was the shiz. It was so cool. Um, yeah, so we left, we got there and um, we actually flew out on the 4th of July. Go America, go freedom. Um, to a fellow previous British colony, kind of ironically. Um, but we got there, and we had um, found this place. I remember how on TripAdvisor, and not with, like, a lot of detail. And we got there, and it was in this... I don't know how to describe it. It was, like, a whole city block that was one giant kind of mall like the second and third floor was a mall but then like the first kind of main floor just had dozens and dozens of these tiny shops and we we got there at like 11:30 at night like a lot of the more reputable ones were were closed and it was a bunch of these just random um like indian and pakistani and middle eastern like food stalls that had food that looked just kind of sketchy and you know random little like like pirated electronics stores and there was a bunch of um, men like walking around that just seemed like it was weird and shifty like one of the nights that we were there like a random dude like I got offered cocaine and weed not like physically but people just be like hey man I can hook you up you know um, and the girls and that happened to me when I wasn't with the girls that I was with and when I was with the girls they would get like cat called and stuff. So it was like kind of weird and sketchy, um, but it was also really cheap. So that was fine. Yeah. So I went with um, Leah who served her mission in Hong Kong. We were kind of the masterminds of this thing. She really wanted to go back and visit. And she was the most amazing help because 
she knew places and she knew the language. And then Amber, who um, is a friend from the international development community, we actually knew each other before this program, and Soraya, um, who's half Cantonese and half Taiwanese and has been to Taiwan a bunch of times, but hasn't been to Hong Kong. So, And she speaks Mandarin, so in Hong Kong they speak Cantonese, not Mandarin. But she was still, like, she, she knew a bunch and had done research, and we had this just amazing time. So after a late-night McDonald's run the first night that was um, very interesting, it was kind of remote in New York where there's a lot of, like, yelling people. <laughs> um, but, I mean, 1 a.m., McDonald's, pretty much anywhere in the world, you're going to run into, like, some interesting characters. And it was funny because Leah was like, this is not Hong Kong. This is not, like, a good representation of Hong Kong. It's not a bunch of crazy people. I was like, I know, I know, I know. But it was just strange that first night. Um, and then the next day, we met up for breakfast with one of Leah's really good friends who, um, her name's Hannah. And Hannah and I had a class last fall, and so we actually, like, knew each other, too. And we, she had been in Thailand on a different BYU, so they brought in. We had hung out with her a couple times, and... Um, she was going to Hong Kong for a couple of days after her, her program ended, and we just happened to overlap for really only like 12 hours, but we managed to get breakfast um, with her, which was like, it kind of was this feeling of like, oh, we're just like this jet setter crowd. We're like, um, oh, let's meet up in Thailand and hang out and get food there. Oh, we're meeting up in Hong Kong now to like hang out, which was just like kind of cool to like meet up with people from back home in like two different places. Felt kind of strange. Um, but yeah, so we, um, rode around there and then we took this thing called a ding ding, which is like, kind of like a trolley, but also like a double decker bus. So it looks like a, a, a double decker bus, but then runs on like trolley tracks, um, which is like the old school kind of transportation. But we just took that around to ride. We mostly rode the subway, but we did do that, um, if you guys know me at all, you know that I am a huge public transportation person, weirdly taking trains and buses, even like having a car um, back in like Utah or even California a couple of times. Um, Hong Kong was just a dream come true. The subway system, there was so much fun and so amazing um, and simple to use. Like some places it's not um, like Bangkok's, for example, when we went there later it was a little bit harder, still like fine, but like Hong Kong just, dead simple to use you get a card you load it up you swipe your way through um we got the unlimited one which was super nice because then we could just we didn't even have to worry about it and we could just it, it allowed us to do so many things that's one thing that i recommend if you're going somewhere with like that public transit and if there's an, an unlimited option i recommend doing it because even if you break even on like saving money the amount of stress that you save is so amazing because if you do like per trip, um, pay per trip, then if you miss a stop or get off on the wrong stop, then all of a sudden you start like, oh, I'm gonna have to cut out this other excursion we're getting to because we spent extra money to figure out this train stop. And if you're not familiar with the train system, get the unlimited because you're gonna make mistakes, you're gonna get confused, you're gonna get off on like the wrong stops, you're gonna take like the wrong trains. And it's so helpful to not have to have that extra mental tax of worrying about how much you're spending on stuff in this different currency. So that was a huge blessing um, that we were able to do that. Um, and yeah, that first day we just kind of um, went in a couple of the like signature malls. We rode a fa this 
Ferris wheel, and Hong Kong was like the opposite of Mulan Prabang because it was huge. Everything was massive, and everyone was moving all the time. And there was so much like just like diversity of you know Chinese people, and um, there you'd see um, in in certain places like the place where we were staying, you saw more like. Indian people and in some of the bigger malls you just see like even like white people you know and it was the opposite of of Luang Prabang in a lot of ways and then that first like full night that we were there we went up um to Victoria's Peak which is like the high point um on Hong Kong Island so Hong Kong well Hong Kong is a whole territory and I don't know enough to explain it but the main places that we were was Hong Kong Island and then we stayed on Kowloon Peninsula and that's kind of those two parts is where, like, Mo, the main city of, like, Hong Kong itself is kind of concentrated. So going up to Victoria Peak, you could just see, like, all the lights of the whole city and, like, the tallest skyscraper. You could see, like, there's, like, a light show that you could see because you had, like, this view. And it was just spectacular to see. It's almost like a bowl where the bay is formed... So the way that, like, this is, again, me not knowing anything about, like, geology, but it's this natural harbor, so that means that there's, like, a really deep underwater um, kind of bowl, but it extends up because even the island is very, like, mountainous, and the mainland is, too, so it's just, like, this giant bowl kind of carved out of the earth, and so going up on the peak, you can just see everything, and it was so cool to be able to get up above the skyscrapers and see that. Um, that in itself was just felt like it was worth it to come to the other side of the world for that um, and then yeah just so many things we did but s some of the highlights I did get to go to that super cheap Michelin star place Tim Ho Wan which is a dim sum place dim sum is like um, you just order like a bunch of like really small dishes so you'll order something that has like um, a couple barbecue pork buns and then a couple just little pieces of like, I don't know, pork and chicken and rice and fried tofu and just, it's a great way to sample like a lot of food. So, um, Asia, Chinese food, dim sum is like the way to go if you want to like experience like a lot of food, like really quickly, which was cool. And then we went to, um just a ton of different malls that were like crazy and I mean I didn't really do any shopping because you know that ain't me um but yeah just a lot of malls and stuff like that we went to this place called mid-levels which is kind of getting into like more the the hills of Hong Kong so instead of just like stairs or like streets like there were all these like outdoor covered escalators just going like zigzagging like back and forth through these hills and like alleyways and stuff and it was just really kind of like something you don't I have never at least I've never seen anywhere else it felt like you know like cyberpunk like we're living in the future outdoor escalators but that was super cool I love me some escalators um random thing that I found online that we did was we visited like the old <laughs> the old Hong Kong prison which was cool that was um dupe um and then one thing that I did, one of my hobbies is playing Magic the Gathering and went to a card store 
Um, I actually wound up going, when I was looking for the card store online, I wound up going to a couple other like random board games stores that I found in the same building. But yeah, went to this um, card game store and it was cool to be able to like um, just meet people that had like the same hobby as me. And I picked up um, a booster pack that was in Chinese. So um didn't pull anything like super rare, but um, now I got some Chinese cards in my pack and I've got um, some Spanish ones too from um, places I've been and that was cool. Um, we also got to see the temple, which for me was super cool because being in Thailand and seeing so many Buddhist temples going and being able to see a, a temple from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a Latter-day Saint temple was so cool and I've wanted to see that temple for like a long time and it really was beautiful. Um, it is constructed differently, so it's just, like, very vertical and kind of square. But, I mean, I really liked it. I don't know what else to say about it, but it was cool. Um, and we also did this, um, hike up to the Thousand Buddhas Shrine. So, the Thousand Buddhas Shrines has all these, like, little, kind of, like, I guess, hand-sized... Like a large melon sized Buddhas covering the walls, and they each are in like unique, different postures, um, just doing their hands and feet and stuff differently. But the really cool thing is the hike up, there's all these like kind of life sized Buddhas that all have different facial expressions and art styles, and some of them will have like four arms, and some of them will be like crying, and some of them will be like fat, and some will be skinny, and they were just all these like different kind of wacky interpretations of like the Buddha, and that was, like, cool. I also insisted on going to the Anglican Cathedral because I love me some cathedrals, and that's, like, the oldest surviving, um, like, church in Hong Kong, and it's also the the oldest um, Anglican church in, you know, Asia, or, well, at least, like, what we call the Far East. I don't know if that's, like, the right term anymore. These PC people always changing the game. But yeah, so that was really cool, and I just let, um, went there and kind of didn't go in for mass, but we happened to be there when it was mass and kind of observed it, and there was this British, it was an Anglican church, so there was a, a British lady who was speaking and giving a little sermon, and that was cool. And then, because we were right across the way from Macau, so Macau is um, um, smaller than Hong Kong, and it was colonized by the Portuguese, but it's similar in that it's not, it's also like a semi-autonomous government where they aren't, they have a weird relationship with mainland China, just like Hong Kong does. Um, But it's really well known because it has um, a lot of casinos and actually has the largest casino in the world, so it's kind of like builds itself as a Las Vegas of the East, and so going there was cool. Um, we actually got there via a bridge, which is the longest bridge in the world, which they only opened up, I think, like, last fall. And so it used to be, you had to take a ferry. Um, but we were able to just take, like, a bus, basically, there, which was cool. Um, the bus station, we took, like, a train to the bus station, and then the bus station was, like, almost more like an airport where you went through, and there was, like, gates, and you had to go through little immigration checkpoint, which was weird, um, to do that on, like, a land route, but also a sea route, because it was an overseas bus, so figure that one out, um, 
and then we got there to our hotel and checked in and stuff and then just went out and like there was this really weird situation where I found out later that so Macau gets really going on like Friday night and Saturday night because a lot of people go there for the weekend and we got there a Sunday night and there was like nobody nobody there um like seriously like walking on the streets like we'd be like like just it was like this weird dead sensation and we went to um which was cool because I mean we weren't there to like party or or, or anything too crazy and just to like kind of wander almost like a ghost town I mean there were people at, at like um at the slots but it was like just like a bunch of like old people like we went to this club um that we had a read about online that was in one of the casinos and we went in and there was like maybe two booths with people and like a handful of other people in this massive club and it's a Sunday night and obviously um I went with uh, Soraya and we're not the most experienced like clubber so maybe that wasn't like the smartest idea but it was still just I don't know at least for me it, it was a little strange to see how just how few people there were um in this like you know, kind of like Las Vegas. I was like, oh, does Las Vegas ever get this dead? I guess it probably does during, like, the low season, but it, you know, it was just interesting. Um, and one of we just, yeah, just kind of walked through a bunch of, like, casinos. We went to the, the Venetian, which is actually the largest casino in the world, and I had never even been to the Venetian of Vegas. So to go in and go through that, like, weird faux Venetian, like, canal they have, was cool and just wandering through this like mall at night where we were like some of the only people there um and it was like it was only like I want to say like seven or eight o'clock at night and they're just not a lot of people there um and so we went through that we went to like an MGM went to um like a Chinese one I don't remember it was called like City of Dreams or something and um hit a couple slots um but i was really like looking for poker um but that one the first couple we went to didn't have any poker at all um and i finally found a poker table at like 2 a.m and it was just too late and it was good though because i'd been like oh I'm, i i swear i spent like maybe five dollars on the slots i didn't even think that it might have been like a buck or two um because I was like, oh yeah, I want to hit poker, and then went and just couldn't find the poker table, and by the time it, like, we found it, it was just too late, and I was like, well, maybe that's for the best, um, and so, like, listen, even, like, you know, 20 bucks or something at a poker table, it was better that I think we just didn't find it, I was kind of faded, um, we also went to the Grand Lisboa, which is kind of like, um, if you know Lisboa, is the word for Lisbon, the capital of Portugal, but, like, in Portuguese, so, that was actually, like, a holdover from the Grand Lisboa um, opened back when it was still, like, a Portuguese colony. So this was, like, an older casino. And going through there was, like, just different. Like, it was, like, this older crowd and, like, felt like an old-school casino. There's something cool about that, too. Um, and we were talking to someone, they're like, yeah, like, like they're, um, they're like, we never see, like, um, white people here because, like, this is just, like, the, the, the old-timers come. So that was kind of cool and just a weird night, um, so we went home, um, went to bed, and then the next day, we woke up, and we went to, um, I had seen this online, this place called, um, the, 
um, ruinas de uh, São Paulo, like the ruins of St. Paul's, which was, um, actually it was a Catholic school that burned down a while ago, but the whole front, the whole front wall of it, where there's like the tallest, like, um, kind of like arches and stuff is still there. And this just like really cool ruins to explore and like a little museum of art. And so we went and explored that and walked around the city and, um, Macau actually had the most beautiful, like colonial architecture, just like the metalwork on stuff was obviously like very colonial and had this really cool mix between like Asian influences and Latin colonial influences, which is just like right up my alley. It was perfect. Went to this place that was like very much like a kind of like like a square that you would find in like any Latin American city, but then hung up were all these um, like Chinese lanterns, and it was like this perfect just like thing where like you felt very very vibrantly the meeting of like east and west in the city, and you would see um, like the town hall had um, in Portuguese like whatever it was, like, municipal, oficina, something, and then the the same letters, like, in Chinese, um, and I kind of wish that we had, like, gone to bed, like, super early, um, knowing that it was going to be dead, and just spent the day, like, ha had more time in the city to explore, kind of, some of the more, like, colonial, like, architecture and stuff, um, but that's how travel goes sometimes, you know, sometimes you have a plan, and you don't have all the information you haven't been there for. You aren't an expert, no matter how much like research that you that you might do. You still are gonna miss stuff. It might be like some huge festival that you didn't know about. I've read stories about people sh showing up, and there's no one there because there's a festival somewhere, or there's too many people there, and it's like, oh, this is crazy. So you're just not gonna know what happens. And Macau is an example of somewhere where my expectation was like, oh, we're gonna go, and it's gonna be like, you know, kind of this big place and. We're going to go party a little bit, um, get a little taste of that. And we didn't. And then I was feeling disappointed that night when I went to bed, but then waking up and doing all the colonial stuff and seeing that. And it reminded me of my mission a little bit, but then with this like cool, like Asian flavor was amazing and unexpected. And I mean, it was a little expected. Like I had an idea, but I just didn't realize how much I was going to enjoy that. And I really did. And just, you know, Never write off a trip as something that's, like, failed because there might be something that, like, surprises you about a city. Um, you could live in any of these places that, I mean, I, this summer has been strange. Just going to a place for, like, we were only in Macau for a day. And, I mean, I'm sure there's people that live in Macau for years and don't find all that stuff. I mean, I grew up in the L.A. area and I haven't seen everything that L.A. has to offer by even a hundred or a thousand you know, and so places will always surprise you, um, but yeah, Hong Kong, Macau, Macau actually, I wanted to bring this up, um, in Asia, but especially Hong Kong, and especially Macau, they have these egg tarts, um, which I really like, which kind of combine, like, my, the favorite elements of, like, flake pastry, or, like, I don't know, like, a really nice pie crust, kind of, you know, but then the inside is like a flan or like a creme brulee almost, and if you haven't had like a Portuguese egg tart, they're originally from Portugal, 
and then they were really popularized in Macau and then spread to Hong Kong and the rest of Asia, but they're mostly like a Hong Kong and Macau originally thing. Oh, so amazing. You gotta try one. That was one of my favorite things, and I just started scarfing those babies down. Um, culinary experience Hong Kong and Macau was. It was cool. And then we got back, and we um, missed the ferry, the first ferry, and so we, we had to wait, and we got back um, to... I had to like look up like a different ferry route on the fly and instead of going straight to the airport we went to like downtown Hong Kong and then caught this like train express back and I remember getting on that train <laughs> and not being sure if we were gonna make it to the airport on time I legitimately did not know what was gonna happen um but it was this moment I was like you know what though we're on the train there's nothing more we can do um, we're going to go through security as fast as possible, like like the die is cast, kind of, you know? And we wound up getting there and with like, just enough time to like check in, but then the flight wound up being delayed, so we had like another, basically like an extra like 45 minutes at the airport than we had needed. And so right, I was just like, see Matt, we could have been in Macau for longer. Or, like we could have had like a snack in um, Hong Kong. I was like, are you kidding me, Soraya? We barely even made it by, like, this much. Like, I was so glad to have that extra, like, margin of comfort. And she was like, nah, Matt, you kind of, like, live to the max. And, yeah, just sometimes you get so close to, like, missing those flights. And I've been super blessed somewhere like, I haven't missed any. And especially flights where you're going back to somewhere that you're supposed to be instead of, like, the outgoing. Like, if you miss an outgoing flight... It can suck. It's like, oh, you missed out on those hotel reservations and the flight to get back. Like, there's so much that you lost out. But being stranded somewhere that you're not supposed to be and having to, like, spend an exorbitant fee for a flight back or wait a couple days in a hotel to, like, and miss out on stuff like that is not a situation that I wanted to be in. So I was really glad that we made it back. But also, like, there's this weird sense of nirvana that comes being late to a flight or late to even like a fair or something You're like you know what like I screwed up and I might make it I might not make it but whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen so I was really glad but we did make it back um and um for my gear highlight from that week there were two big things um that were helpful I um even though Thailand so I've been super lucky and just been able to use like my American stuff my American plugs, I had bought a, like, a universal converter before I left, and I just brought it with me, not even knowing, not even checking what Hong Kong's thing was, and got there, and I was the only one that brought a converter, but luckily mine has, like, I got, so I just bought this on Amazon, I mean, you can find any of these, but the one I got, it can plug in to anything, and then it has plugs that you can plug anything into it, but the really nice thing about this one is it also came with two of its own USB ports. So if you had uh, like a wall plug-in and then just like two more cables, you could actually charge three devices at once, at once which, which wound up being perfect for when I was um, rooming with my homies and we charged all our phones at once. So that was one thing. And then the other big thing this week was my backpack that I brought. So I've talked about how my... Um, Packing organizers really help with the backpack, but having a backpack and having all your stuff with you at all times was a lifesaver sometimes. So, um, there was one time where we woke up in the morning and went straight to like the 10,000 uh, Buddhist 
Buddha's monastery, and then from there, me and Soraya were going straight to Macau, and weren't gonna have to weren't gonna have time to come back to the hotel to p pick our stuff up, and just having all my stuff on my back. And I tend to be like an overpacker, so like a really small backpack tends to not cut it, and I could have the room to if I want to like bring stuff back. So I have the REI Flash 45 pack. Um, it's actually just like a hiking backpack. It's not designed f exactly for like international travel. There's some like international travel backpacks you can get. I know Kodopaxi makes one. I know REI makes one that's more designed for like international travel that has zippers. Mine just has like one like drawstring like open pouch. But some people I've talked to have said that, you know what? Like if you can get one bag that you can use for like hiking and, you know, camping and for um like travel do it and that's what this backpack has been for me I've, I've got plans to you know take it on hikes and back um overnight backpacking and stuff but also using it for like travel backpacking so it's just been a workhorse for me and I gotta give it a shout out it's been amazing it was also interesting um we've been studying democracy in our class and different patterns of democracy in Hong Kong because What's interesting is some places that were colonized and then the colonial powers just like disappeared and there's like a power vacuum that caused a lot of problems and there's been military leaders and stuff. But Hong Kong, um, which was under British colonial rule for so long, um, was not used primarily for its resources, was like a trading center and so there's just a different level of like involvement from the British and so they do have like a stronger history of democracy and even under with the what's going on right now with um, China have had been able to have maintained that autonomous rule and democracy. Um, but if you guys have been following the news, you've seen like the Hong Kong protests and it's just so interesting to see how much people are willing to fight for their democracy and curious to see how like when you have that democracy for a while and people like are willing to fight for it and like keep it alive, you have such a like an advantage over people that are fighting just to install democracy. And Thailand has, has so many stops and starts with their like process of democratization. But I think even though Hong Kong is going through like a hard spot right now, it is cool to see that the people themselves have that, that political culture where they really value their democracy and um yeah, if you don't know what's going on, look it up. It's not, it's just been crazy. Um, and pray for Hong Kong because um, no one knows what's going to happen there. And it could turn kind of sticky. So, yeah, but Hong Kong, amazing city. I really hope that it can get through the stuff that it's going through right now because it is, like, the coolest place. Yeah, so that was my time in Laos and Hong Kong. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I just finished up recording the rest of this two-part episode today, just wrapping up my study abroad, and look forward to that. Um, let me know what you guys think, and thanks, as always, for listening. Stay gringo, guavas. Mm -hmm.